Corpendium Spotlight. In order to diagnose rhabdomyolysis, you must consider rhabdo to begin with within your differential. So just go ahead and send that CK level. That is the voice of Dr. Cheyenne Follett, who is our special guest host today for our Corpendium Spotlight on rhabdomyolysis. Rhabdo. And this is a chapter in Corpendium that is, of course, written by our guest, as well as Dr. Jason Brown. Dr. Follett, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you for having me. It's super exciting to be here. So let's just start off with, you know, basics. Like, what is it? And what would you say is the most common cause? So rhabdo is a clinical syndrome of electrolyte abnormalities, myoglobinuria, and acute kidney injury that are all brought on by some kind of skeletal muscle breakdown. And its etiologies can be divided into three main categories. There are the traumatic or compressive causes of rhabdomyolysis, like a crush injury at a construction site. That's our very classic picture of rhabdo. Or prolonged immobilization during surgery, which is a less commonly thought of etiology. There are non-traumatic exertional causes, like the untrained runner who just starts training for a marathon, or military recruits. I work somewhat near Annapolis, and so when they start getting the new recruits, we sometimes see causes of rhabdo related to that. Or non-traumatic, non-exertional causes, like associated with viral infections or prescription or illicit drug use. There is a great variability in the reported incidence of these various etiologies, but it's pretty agreed upon that the most common causes tend to be prolonged and heavy exertion, trauma, and alcohol use. Great reminders. That was a good review. Diagnosis. So how do we go about making this diagnosis? So to make the diagnosis of rhabdo, the CK level is the hallmark. So rhabdo is diagnosed with a serum CK level at least five times the upper limit of normal. Normal CK levels are generally less than 100 international units per liter, with the upper limit of normal generally being around 200 to 300 international units per liter, depending on your lab assays. So make sure to check CK levels on anyone presenting with a concerning history for rhabdo, and this can either be through the mechanism alone or those reporting Symptoms like myalgias, malaise, stiffness, and or discolored urine, or those with concerning physical exam findings, such as muscle tenderness to palpation, discolored or dark urine, dry mucous membranes, hyperthermia, especially in those undifferentiated patients who you really can't use a thorough history on. Now, it's my understanding that something like a CK of 500 isn't necessarily going to get us very concerned. That patient doesn't necessarily need to be admitted. A lot of times we're talking about CKs of like 5,000 or greater than 5,000. What's sort of a number where you're starting to say, this is rhabdo enough that that patient may need to be admitted. This is a concerning level. Right. So anything in like a 1,000 to 2,000 range, I start to say, oh, this is rhabdo, but it's mild rhabdo. Once the CK starts uptrending closer to about 5,000 to 10,000, that's when I start to get really concerned that some of the more concerning complications can occur. So those lower numbers are very mild rhabdo, and those patients don't always need to be admitted. It's really above five to 10,000 that we start to get concerned. But just remember, even if you have an initial CK that's about one to 2,000, it doesn't mean that in two to three hours, it can't be rapidly uptrending. So a CK should really be a level, especially if you're catching it in the early course, that you can use to trend, kind of like we do with troponins. Great reminder. Treatment. So let's say we've made this diagnosis, then how are we going to treat it? And what are the things that we're really worried about? So the mainstay of treatment for rhabdo is fluid, 
and a lot of it. So IV fluids and removal of the offending agent, if at all possible. So what I do is I start with a one to two liter bolus of balanced fluids. Whether you're a plasmolite or a lactated ringer shop, it really doesn't make that much of a difference. And I use that one to two liters based on how they look clinically. And then administer a continuous infusion of balanced fluids titrating to a goal urine output of about 200 to 300 milliliters per hour. And we administer aggressive hydration because what we're really trying to prevent is acute renal failure, which occurs as a result of the myoglobin precipitating in the renal tubules. And this is, of course, worsened if the patient is hypovolemic. However, some of the other complications can include pretty profound electrolyte derangements from the cellular lysis, and this includes hyperkalemia, hyperphosphatemia, and initial hypocalcemia, which over the course of rhabdo can actually turn into hypercalcemia, disseminated intravascular coagulation, and compartment syndrome. And compartment syndrome with rhabdo is actually a specifically fascinating pair because the compartment syndrome can be both causative of the rhabdo to begin with or occur as a result of the aggressive hydration that's necessary to treat rhabdo as well. So do you think that all of these patients need admission? I mean, we kind of just talked about the lower levels not. When's your cutoff? So many but not all patients with rhabdo will require admission. I would generally consider discharge for patients presenting with exertional rhabdomyolysis as the etiology, who are otherwise healthy without comorbidities, and have a downtrending CK after initial resuscitation. Remember, we talked about CK levels being used to trend. However, unless the patient meets these criteria, I definitely advocate for some kind of hospitalization, even with those lower levels. And this can range between just an observation stay, especially if you have an ED-OBS unit for, let's say, cocaine-induced CK of uh, 2,000, all the way up through an ICU admission for that intubated hyperthermic patient who was brought to you with that CK level of 120,000. So if you had to kind of take the most important information and tell someone, this is what you absolutely need to remember, what would that be? What do you think we absolutely need to take away? Like with many other conditions, in order to diagnose rhabdo, you must first consider rhabdo within your differential. If you're like me and work in an emergency department where you receive a lot of the found down patients from EMS with fair frequency, send a CK level on all of these patients and any patient with any of the risk factors or historical factors that we've already talked about. And especially in these undifferentiated found down patients, this does involve a rectal core temperature to assess for hyperthermia, especially in the non-winter months as well as compartment checks. And don't forget about those gluteal muscles. In the past month alone at my institution, we diagnosed rhabdo and gluteal compartment syndrome in a patient who was brought to us after being found down on the sidewalk. They ended up having a CK level of 283,000, which was the highest I had ever seen. And that patient ended up having to go to the OR pretty emergently. So just remember that you will never make a diagnosis you don't consider in the first place. So send those CK levels. Thank you so much. Thank you. Once again, please go visit the Corpendium chapter on rhabdomyolysis by Dr. Follett and Dr. Brown. Rhabdo.